Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Sport Politique, the podcast where sports and politics collide into, you know, kind of like an Oklahoma drill, you know, just violent and nasty until one is superior and wins. I am your host, Daniel Fanley, and with me today is my co-host, Chris Wagner. Uh, Chris, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing good. I'm I'm very excited that you're on here because for the listeners um, who don't know either me or um, I'm just going to call him Wags because that's how I've always known him for for the longest time is Wags. Uh, Wags and I were the only was the only person that I met when we went to college together in Minnesota and we were both from the state of Iowa. And if you know anything about the Midwestern like quadrangle of hate between like minnesota iowa wisconsin and like nebraska it was nice to have somebody there who could like what oh i could weather the storm with so i'm very happy that wags you are on the show and also you are you basically have the personality of a golden retriever so it just makes me happy (laughs) yeah and and what's crazy is that you know there's at least five other people in the world who are from iowa besides us so it's nuts that we're the only ones (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's at least a baker's dozen more than us. <laughs> at That's least, about it. At least. <laughs> so, Chris, I like to ask this of all my guests who who come on to the show, right? Do you have any favorite um, sports, teams, athletes at all? Uh, man, I mean, I'm I'm wearing my Vikings uh, shirt right now. That we just we just pulled off a victory today, so I still got that going. So uh, I'm a big uh, Minnesota Vikings football fan. Football in general is probably the sport I follow most. Kind of a, a homer in in the sense that I root for all the Minnesota teams, but I would put uh, I would put the Vikings at the top. You know, the Twins probably a, a distant second, and then you know everything else below that so you know i i i came to love hockey you know moving to to minnesota but i I didn't grow up with it we didn't have it where i grew up in iowa basketball i was always terrible at so i I kind of ignored (laughs) it (laughs) but um well you know yeah chris did you chris did you do what most iowans do when is when we're not good at basketball we just go into wrestling (laughs) yeah you know what so so in high school i played every sport available to me in high school other than cross country because cross country was the same time it was during football season football was the only sport i played all four years so at some point i did everything else uh you know wrestling track uh basketball you know everything baseball for a year so uh so yeah i did my my wrestling was no better than my basketball but it was uh, (laughs) a It was a good workout. Uh, I, I did it yeah. mostly to stay shape for football. So, yeah, I know I was kind of the same way in high school. I did a bunch of different sports as much as I could, except like the only two that I mostly stuck uh, stuck with were football and wrestling, mm-hmm. right? But I, I was the same way too. And I feel like if there's one sport that I kind of wish. I could have done in high school, it would have been rugby, but it wouldn't really have worked out because I weighed about all of like 130 <laughs> pounds during high school. So I would have gotten broken into two. Yeah. And when you played rugby in college, you were at least 140. Yeah. I was at <laughs> least, I was at least up to 140 by then. Yeah. So I would, I, I could, I could stave off there a little bit better, but anyways, pounds a muscle at least. Oh yeah. Well, it was 10 pounds of something. <laughs> Chris, how do you feel about beach volleyball? You know, not a lot of beaches around here to play it, but I, I <laughs> am a fan of it every four years uh, when the Olympics roll around. <laughs> yeah, I can. I'm trying to imagine of like going out on a nice, you know, like November day and you head out to Lake Minnetonka for some beach volleyball. Yeah. <laughs> chilly. You'll be out there when within like two minutes, your nipples will be able to cut glass. <laughs> Now, Chris, how do you feel about freedom of speech? I guess for it, you know, if I if, <laughs> if I had to say for or against it, I, I, I'm going to say for it. If you had to put a gun against my head, I guess I'd have to say I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. I'm, I'm in the same boat with you, Chris. I mean, if you if you had to throw me into a volcano to get me to say if, whether or not I like it, I mean, I'd be right on the edge of that like, volcano and I'd say, okay, I guess I like it. Right. Right. Yeah, of course. That's actually what we're going to be talking about today. 
we're going to be covering an incident at a Brazilian beach volleyball match where Carol Solberg, a Brazilian beach volleyball player, shouted Bolsonaro out after a match in 2000, or I'm sorry, in 2020. And what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be looking at the politics of Jair Bolsonaro and whether athletes should have the right to free speech during sporting events. So, Chris, are you familiar with Jair Bolsonaro? I am. Uh, you know, not overly, but yes, I know who he is. I, I've seen some of the, uh, I guess, comparisons <laughs> that people have made. It's kind of, I guess, uh, you know, I don't know when people will hear this, but sort of timely, I, I believe Brazil had their elections today. Um, so see what uh, what the results are. Yeah, this episode is being recorded then, and it's and it's obviously being released now, so it's not timed up perfectly for this. But yeah, I I kind of wanted to touch on this subject matter right when they were ha- right when roughly Brazil was having its politics because oh boy, is it gonna be uh is it gonna be a rough episode? <laughs> yeah. This is why I also brought you along on here, Wags, because it's sure. like. I need a ray of shuns. I, we need like a ray of sunshine here to get us through. Oh, because it's gonna get dark. <laughs> what did I sign up for? Oh, don't worry, buddy. It's it's too late now. You can't it's run too, away. Yeah, yeah, what can I do? So beach volleyball in Brazil is a pretty big sport, right? It's not the biggest sport in Brazil because it's obviously soccer. Mm-hmm. But beach volleyball is definitely in contention for about the second most popular sport. And the reason why is because, let's face it, Brazil has a lot of coastline to play up for beach volleyball. It's always, you know, sunny down there. And, you know, everybody there is gorgeous. And I'm a very firm believer that you must be a certain level of sexy in order to play like beach volleyball professionally or, you know, to get to that like Olympic level. Right. Yeah, everybody has to be just just absolute smoke shows another reason i don't play oh don't sell yourself (laughs) short there buddy i wanted to kind of give that bit of background information because i think it's important to let the audience know of kind of what kind of platform carol solberg has so on september 21st 2020 after the first beach uh, volleyball tournament in brazil post lockdown after carol solberg won the bronze medal match in her post-match interview she shouted bolsonaro out which is a slogan uh, often used by opponents of Brazil's president Jair Bolsonaro. After the comments, the Brazilian Beach Volley, or sorry, the Brazilian Volleyball Confederation criticized Solberg's protest, saying that they will quote take all the appropriate measures so that instances like this that denigrate the sport do not happen again. End quote. And the National Athletes Commission, which is a player-based Olympic committee, said of the incident, quote. It was not in favor of any type of political show of support in sporting competitions, end quote. So, Chris, with you being back in the United States and with me being, you know, kind of safely in Mexico, I don't have to hear all of the, um, I guess, vitriol that comes through, you know, when when we have discourse about politics, right? Because everybody here speaks Spanish and they all care about Mexican politics pretty much mostly. I mean, how are things still going in the United States about like keeping politics in sports, right? Or keeping it out of sports, right? Is it still kind of a hot, a real hot button issue or is it kind of simmering down at least? I mean, how do I put this without being too partisan about it? But I think it oh, kind be of- be as partisan as you want, buddy. <laughs> I, I think it really depends who you talk to. I mean, I feel like there's still always going to be the, you know, the shut up and dribble crowd, especially if if the politics that are in sports are, uh, you know, the opposite of of yours. But you know, I, I think it's I think it's become more accepted. Okay. You know, the, especially with you know big, I don't know, big sports stars. They've got a big platform, and they can they're they're very savvy with their uh, with the media and uh, their, their own social media. So they can, they can kind of talk directly to people a little more easily, you know, now more than ever. So, so I think it's more common than it used to be and probably a little more accepted than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, the, what comes to mind is is Colin Kaepernick being a, a prime example and how he was sort of blackballed out of the league uh, for what he did. And I just wonder if the, that would have been, you know, that was what, five years ago when that happened? And 
you know, what if you did yeah, that? Yeah, it was about yeah, it was about five. I think it was longer than that because I remember when, yeah, because I remember when I was in uh, China, and that would have been around 2013, 2014, okay. when Kaepernick's I think started taking a knee and stuff. Time so means it, nothing, Dan. Time, time oh, is yes. just constructs. <laughs> so, but I guess you know, regardless, I guess my point being, I just wonder had had that situation happened for the first time today, you know, I maybe he's still a starting quarterback in the in the NFL. I don't know. I think the the big thing is is that when we look at this from from a US perspective is I think what really changed was when George Floyd was murdered. Mm-hmm. I think that was where cuz then afterwards you had like the NBA and Major League Baseball on the same day they're like, "Hey, we're not we we are not playing right. games today. We're we're mourning." Yep. And I feel like then it started getting to more acceptable levels because again, it's like what you like people can't have an opinion on whether or not this guy gets murdered. Yeah. It's, it's something to where like, and I do agree with you of where you have a particular group of, or a particular strain of politics in the United States where it's like, we're all for the free exchange of ideas and thoughts. Yeah. But what about the police killing people? No, no, no. You can't say that. Not that exchange. Yeah. But not that exchange. Also with this, in Article 50 of the Olympic Charter states, and I kind of wanted to bring this up, actually, before I get to the Olympic Charter, um, I want to bring this up because this is something that, like, is kind of been not just, like, a recent debate, but this has been going on, this has been going on for decades, really, right? Like, for, I'm sure for older people in the audience, they can remember such instances like, uh, you know, I think it was 1968 when the Olympics were held in Mexico City when the black power uh, salutes were there after the track and field competition. And then, you know, you have the miracle on ice, right. And there's all of these, all of these different things. So it's not like this is a recent invention. Yeah. I mean, you think of Muhammad Ali and, 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 you know, Muhammad Ali protesting Vietnam, I, I feel like is a, probably one of the, the more famous examples as well, historically. So article 50 of the Olympic charter states, Quote, no kind of demonstration or political, religious, or racial propaganda is permitted in any Olympic sites, venues, or other areas, end quote. I mean, obviously we hear that, but again, it's kind of when do athletes have this voice, right? Because at least from the Olympic perspective, the idea is you can say it on your social media, right? You can say it, um, you know, uh, before the match or after the match. But when you're inside the stadium, when you're in there, nothing. Like this is a, you know, all of a sudden it's like a, not like a free speech zone, but it's like an anti-free speech zone. I mean, what do you think about that, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting comparing that to, you know, say you brought up the George Floyd thing, which is a little more local, at least localized to the U.S. You know, maybe it's not a uniquely... American problem to have issues with police, but it certainly is, is, I guess, enhanced in the U.S. for lack of a better term. You know, and then you, you look at something like uh, like the Olympics uh, or even like I, I think FIFA has a, a similar rule. Yeah. You know, when we're looking at, uh, you know, kind of these international sporting organizations, I think that makes a huge difference because things are going to be so much different between you know, from country to country. And that's probably the biggest argument for having a rule like that. Does that make it right? No, I don't think so. But, but that would be, I guess, to play devil's advocate, that's maybe, maybe their reasoning to have it is just the varying, people, I guess, thoughts. country. Yeah. Cause I agree because like as a former teacher, sometimes you kind of have these rules where it's like, if not everybody can do this, that nobody can do this. Right. Because at first you're like, well, yeah, you can speak out against racism. And then before you know it, you have one person who's like, so that means I can use racial slurs, right? And you're like, no, no, that's 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 not the same. Because then all of because that's how it almost always works within these like free speech debates is where people are like, like, hey, I want to speak out against injustice. Okay, cool. Uh, what about you? What do you want to say? I want to say the N word. And you're like, no, no, that's not what we're, not that's not what you should do. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the old you know you gotta have both sides equally. Yeah, 
you know, equally shown. Well, no, you don't. Both sides aren't equal. There's, <laughs> there's objectively right and objectively wrong, even though some people don't see that, I guess. But So this brings us to Jair Bolsonaro. And I want to focus on his political views and his presidency to see why someone would risk backlash by just saying literally two words, right? Saying this guy's name and then the word out. And we're also going to focus on actions. And I really tried to focus on not what other people say about him. Because, for example, again, like for me being a uh, being a history teacher, or are you familiar? Or actually, here's a better example. Are you familiar with Poe's Law, uh, Wags? I think so, but remind me of it again. Poe's law is that if you have a discussion on the internet, if you have a discussion that goes long enough, somebody will eventually compare somebody to Hitler. Hey everyone, uh, this is future Daniel. I just wanted to make a quick correction here. I was wrong when I was mentioned that this was Poe's law. In fact, it's actually Godwin's law that mentions about the Nazis. But anyways, back to the show. <laughs> that's the one or uh, something okay. to hitler yep makes sense and that's and that's kind of what i what i like here is because like whenever people talk about like oh that's like, that, like that's fascism no that's fascism and it's like children children one of you are right and one of you is completely wrong so i don't want to go into like that idea of like i said what others say about this guy i want to focus in on who this person is here is Jahir Bolsonaro. So, number one, he gave Olavo de Cavallo the order of Rio Branco, right? Which is this, like this honorific reward. Like, from I couldn't find a lot on the award, but it sounds like it was, it's kind of similar of being like knighted, right? If we were in the United sure. Kingdom and it's like, okay, you're now a knight or a duke or whatever. De Cavallo has said the following. He has said that there is no proof that the Earth is round and the Earth is could be the center of the solar system. Night, that guy. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, don't worry. It gets better. He said that Pepsi uses cells from aborted fetuses to sweeten their soft drinks. <laughs> yeah, it, goes, it goes a little bit different from heliocentrism to, <laughs> to using the aborted fetuses. He claims that climate change is a hoax. He tweeted out that, quote, Driving vaccines either kill you or drive you crazy. Never vaccinate your children, end quote. So, um, Chris, you, according to this guy, uh, you better not have vaccinated your children. Oh, geez. Or, give, or given them Pepsi. Oh, it would have been really bad if you'd given them Pepsi. Well, we're a Coke family, so that's no problem. Oh, okay. So you're safe then, no matter what. You're, <laughs> as everybody knows, as everybody knows, Coca-Cola uses um, non-aborted baby fetuses they right just these use those are those are volunteer donor babies <laughs> oh god <laughs> i'm sorry <coughs> no 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 I was don't worry. Say, I... this episode sponsored by coca-cola but i don't think they're going for that anymore no 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 i should also add allegedly here oh, yeah. i don't want to i don't want to get coke's lawyers on me yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> he also believed that barack obama was not born in the united states he said that AIDS does not prov- uh, does not pose a risk to heterosexuals. He called COVID an invention, right? That like, you know, COVID was not that it was like um, that it's fake, but you know that it was created in a lab. You know that type sure. of idea. He claimed that the 2020 United States presidential election was fraudulent. Says that Joe Biden has Parkinson's disease and Kamala Harris works for the Chinese government. Also in that same year, he had to pay 2.8 million Brazilian reals, which is about half a million U.S. dollars, for, for from liable charges after accusing mus- musician Castano Veloso of sexual crimes against children. And to top all that off, like he also died uh, later, I think in two, either it was 2022 or 2021. Chris, you want to take a guess on how he died? Uh, I'm going to take COVID. He did. He died of COVID. I also was going to say, was this guy just like the script writer for Newsmax and, and Fox News <laughs> and OAN? I, just playing all the hits. Well, I mean, we're going to see a lot. This is like, I'm sure the comparisons that you've heard is that, and this is what many people call Bolsonaro, is that he is the tropical Trump, right? right. Or he is Trump and he is similar in instances, right? Like, right. and a lot of that stuff is what we see, like you see, like in modern conservative spaces. 
So yeah, like he was kind of one of his, not necessarily a speechwriter, but he was definitely a um, an influence on Bolsonaro, right? That's why he gave him this uh, reward was because he was like, hey, I think this guy is great. And he thinks he's so great, even though on sometimes he's called Bolsonaro dumb. So <laughs> I want to give you, so I wanted to start off with this point first, because this is who Baz- Baz- um, Bolsonaro admires, right? He looks up to this guy and even with, with this guy who's like, I think you're an idiot. Oh, you're so cool. <laughs> Chris, just because uh, we're going to take a little break here. What's your initial thoughts so far of uh, Jair Bolsonaro? You know, I guess I guess from what you've said, it's kind of uh, you know maybe more in depth of what I of things that I didn't know, but nothing I wouldn't have expected. Uh, I guess so. That's uh, you know that's kind of what what I'm thinking. I, it sounds kind of par for the course for what I would have assumed from from this guy that I've heard you know bits and pieces about from from afar. And if you th- and also for you, Chris, but also for the listeners, if you think this is bad, it's going to get a lot worse. And we're going to go to ads where the official soft drink of this podcast is Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper does not use any fetuses no to fetuses. sweeten their zero fetuses to sweeten <laughs> their already. Uh, it's not a part of the 23 flavors. All right. So here's <laughs> ads. And we are back from ads. In the in the last part, we just talked about briefly about Bolsonaro and kind of having the discussion of kind of what, what does it take to like speak out. So we're going to continue going over kind of Bolsonaro's stances and ideas and actions, right? So again, we can kind of get a vibe here. So the second big thing that you should know about Jair Bolsonaro is that he supports the United States-backed Brazilian military dictatorship. That controlled the country from 1964 to 1985. So, Wags, what do you know about the uh, Brazilian uh, dictatorship? Ah, not much. Not much, if anything. Yeah, don't worry. I don't think really many Americans do, right? Or maybe many of our listeners outside of, uh, you know, people who like, have studied Latin America or have studied Brazil intensely or are from there. Funny how that, uh, that chapter didn't get taught in, in my history classes. Oh, yes, because if we taught, like, speaking as a history teacher, if we taught all of those chapters, we would have to extend uh, high school to at least like two more years. <laughs> right. yeah, and, and, you know, after a while, math would just be like, we're, we're running out of stuff. And history is like, here's another war crime that's been committed. <laughs> right. Uh... Uh, so here are some quotes from Bolsonaro about the dictatorship. All right. He said that um, he said that the military regime, quote, led to a more sustainable and prosperous Brazil. He called the dictatorship glorious. He also said Brazil enjoyed 20 years of order and progress. And, quote, the error of the dictatorship was that it tortured but did not kill. What do you think about that last quote there, Chris? Is yeah, I guess is that the standard, you know, that that we go with now is as long as you're not dead. Yeah. Like like you know, like the the thing that the dictatorship did wrong about was that they shouldn't have tortured people. They just should have just killed anybody who disagreed with them. <laughs> that was yeah. In 2014, almost 30 almost 30 years after the regime ended, the Brazilian military recognized for the first time the crimes they committed during the dictatorship, which included the torture and murder of political dissidents. Bolsonaro dedicated his impeachment vote of then-president Dilma Rousseff to Colonel Brijante Ustra. Now, Ustra was the head of the torture unit that allegedly tortured the former president, Rousseff. So, yeah, this also kind of gives you the type of guy that he is, right? Like, he's not only, like, again, like, this is my objective opinion, but this guy's a shitbird. Hell of a resume item as well. It's one thing to be like, well, I'm going to impeach you, but you know what? I'm dedicating this to the person who, you know, might have tortured you. Right. 
Also, in an interview in the 1990s, Bolsonaro said that if he became president of Brazil, he would shut down the National Congress and stage a military coup for himself. He also has been outspoken in support of other pro-U.S. and U.S.-backed military dictatorships across Latin America. Chris, before we move on to the next uh, great point here of Jair Bolsonaro, uh, how does this new wrinkle, right, besides just like the person that he admires and who he, who he looks up to, but now we're starting to see about the man himself of his own words and actions. How do you feel about him like really glorifying this dictatorship? Right. I mean, it's 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 shocking that, well, maybe I shouldn't say shocking with, with the world now, but it is shocking that those public beliefs can still, you know, be out there and you can still be you know, elevated to the level that he, that he has been, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it's incredible to me that that's something people look past, I, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Or it's the idea of where it seems like people are now slowly moving towards, or maybe not, maybe not, we're not slowly moving towards, but maybe people are just becoming more vocal about it where it's like, yeah, it would, the world would be really great if everybody who disagreed with me would be dead. <laughs> right yeah i mean it's it's maybe the the extreme next uh step for you know just i i don't know yeah these uh it's definitely frightening to ideas like i don't know democracy right yeah and it is i mean we we joke about that here you know saying you know that's what these people believe but then <laughs> then you actually see that yeah, that is what they believe, and they're still getting, you know, getting elected, and it's, yeah, it's frightening. It you is frightening and crying kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's it. You laugh, you definitely laugh and keep from crying, and you also have to make sure that when this stuff is happening, you have to oppose it. So moving on to uh, Bolsonaro's resume here, number three, Chris. Would it surprise you if I told you that um, Jair Bolsonaro is a climate change denialist? No, no, it wouldn't. Yeah, you you would be right. He he, it wouldn't surprise you because he clearly is right. He he is a vehement. Uh, he he does he thinks that climate change is not that big of a deal. Ernesto Arjuro, who is the Minister of Foreign Affairs appointed by Bolsonaro, called global warming a ploy by quote cultural Marxists. Now, Wags, have you heard of that term before? Cultural Marxist. I've. Uh, not not really i get i mean i i feel like it's kind of a i mean marxist in general is a term that uh, the right throws around i feel like everywhere just uh to scare people so to speak well the thing that's interesting about using that term cultural marxist is that according to the southern poverty law center cultural marxism is an anti-semitic theory that jewish people are nefarious communistic destroyers and this is something that is true because like I'm going to talk about this in another episode where I'm going to be discussing about Bobby Fischer and anti-Semitism, right? This idea of cultural Marxist or, you know, like, because that started first as cultural Bolshevik or cultural Bolsheviks during the Russian Revolution, basically a dog whistle at the time in Russia to say like, well, who are these Bolsheviks? Ah, uh, it's the Jewish people. It's these people who are overthrowing it, right? And then they have to change the, you know, like how it seems like sometimes within, um, kind of within not only conservative spaces, but also just like, like even the Democrats have done this too, because at first they were okay with the, with the dichotomy of pro-life and pro-choice. Right. But then like, I don't know, maybe it was around like 2015, 2016 or so they're, they're trying to change the, the vernacular to pro-choice and anti-choice. Right. They try to kind of change those types of ideas there as well too. So, I mean, this happens though, but it's all so whenever people hear that word of cultural Marxism, always thinks of like, think of the word of like what this person really wants to say is the Jews. The Jews. Yeah, like with the scary, you <laughs> right. know, like like lightning scary organ music and lightning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what they're trying to do here. Also, that guy that I talked about who, um, Argyle, he also eliminated the climate change division of the Foreign Affairs Ministry in Brazil. During Bolsonaro's first year as president, destruction of the Amazon rainforest increased by 88% as compared to the previous year, according to the National Institute of Space Science, which is a part, or space research, which is a part of the Brazilian Ministry of Science. 
Chris, how do you think Bolsonaro is going to react to hearing about, you know, something within his government saying, hey, we're cutting down a lot of trees in the rainforest because, you know, by 88%. How do you think Bolsonaro is going to react to that? I mean, I would assume it's especially since he's he's a climate change denier or doesn't think it's bad. I would assume he he spins it in a way that's positive for oh, it's the Brazil. You know, look at all this new farmland. You know, look at our agricultural sector or look at our you know whatever economic. Yeah, like you think that's what he would do because that's like kind of like the competent. I guess way to look at it, but what he did was that he claimed this information to be false. Oh, right. Okay. He said it was fake news, sure. right? <laughs> just completely denied. And then when the when the director of the Institute of Space Research pushed back against, you know, Bolsonaro, the director was fired from his job because Bolsonaro doesn't want any but or didn't want anybody to disagree with him. Chris, what what have you been hearing of a term called Christian nationalism? I have. Have you yes. been hearing that term yep. again thrown around? Well, would it surprise you that Jair Bolsonaro is a supporter of it? No, no. In fact, it would not. Again, you're you're just on the ball here. It's like it's almost like that. You know what Bolsonaro is doing? It's like the same playbook of what's going on with conservatism in the United States. It's mm. weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Almost like uh, like I said, it's like they're uh, they're all getting it from the same notes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's something that for those you, for the listeners who do not know what Christian nationalism is, Christian nationalism is the idea that, um, having the country ruled through the pretty much like it's, it's, it's laws, it's customs, everything that goes on through Christianity, which I know I say this as a Catholic, right? And I know Chris, you're Catholic too, right? I don't mean to out you here on the right. No, yeah, I was, I was, I was raised Catholic. Yep. I don't know about you, but even to myself, Christian nationalism is scary because, like, there's a lot of different types of Christian out there. Before you know it, you're gonna have somebody say, like, "Oh yeah, well, you know, we need we need a day to celebrate the Blessed Virgin Mary," and somebody like, "No, we don't." And then all of a sudden, you have car bombings. Right. Yeah. It's a very scary thing. But Bolsonaro said from a 2017 speech that he gave. God above everything. There is no such thing as a secular state. The state is Christian, and any minority that is against this has to change if they can. I don't know about you, Chris, but I find that quote terrifying. Not only that, I guess, you know, I look at this all through the lens of, of being an American, and I guess I don't know what what uh, type of laws are in place in uh, in Brazil. But I mean, you know, just the fact that that's one of the, you know, the the very first thing in our Bill of Rights, uh, you know, Congress shall make no law talking about religion. Uh, you know, yeah, again, you're talking about the establishment clause, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, I guess I, I, you know, we get similar ideas popping up here, and it's just, it's nuts to me that uh, that anyone can can think that when. That's obviously right at the forefront of of our of our Bill of Rights, but um, again, maybe different. And, and not just that, right? Because again, like I've lived in a couple different countries, you know, from thirty three years on this planet, right? And the one thing that is uniquely, um, I guess, worrisome for me is the idea of whenever anybody says. X is in charge, or this is what we need to do. And anybody else who disagrees with me, they need to change their opinion. I don't need to change at all. That to me is very worrisome and very frightening because it's the idea of, well, if you cannot compromise, right? If you cannot just somehow come to agreements to people, the fabric of society just falls apart. Like, and not just in the ideas of where it comes into like, of, you know, like electing a president or something like that, right? Like, even if you can't come to agreements to basic things of like, oh, okay, what should we teach at a school, right? What should we do? You know, what should we have as um, guiding principles for us as a society? How should we, you know, treat one another? And then out of nowhere, you start getting, if there's some people who are like, screw you, I got mine. Then before you know it, you start having other people who are like, well, then what's the point to all of this then? 
I don't know. Maybe that's just me kind of getting a little bit too doom and gloomy there. No, I mean, it's that that's that's a good point. And, and you kind of you mentioned this earlier, but to expand on, you know, you mentioned Christianity itself has so many different sects, uh, you know, that conflict with one another. But even expanding that, you look at, you know, Islam and, and, and Judaism and Christianity, they all pull from, you know, in part from the same uh, I guess source material, yeah. if you want to call yeah, it, it that, is. It's, and it's, it's all, just wildly different. Yeah. yeah, wildly different interpretations. I mean, we could we could probably have a whole episode just on <laughs> just on religion, but uh, I mean, just the the wildly different interpretations from the from the same source, and this one guy is going to say which one you know which interpretation is right and base everybody's rules on that is is nuts not to mention all the other hundreds or however many other religions or belief systems there might be yeah it reminds me of i don't know if you've seen the movie but the life of brian crisp <laughs> right yeah yeah where they were i can't remember what the part is though but there's like we need to fo- like we need to follow this teaching or whatever when when brian when i the titular Brian just says like, leave me alone. Right. He just like, doesn't want to be followed. Right. And then there's like these different people that are like, by saying, leave me alone. He means this. Or somebody's like, he dropped his, he dropped his shoe. Therefore we should all not wear shoes. Right. It's, it's like that. Like, and I feel like anybody who says like, I don't know, maybe this is just kind of how I was raised, but anybody who says like, I have all the secrets, I know all the answers. And it's like, now, if you had all the answers, why aren't you? Why aren't you Lex Luthor? Right. Yeah. Why aren't you the king of the world? Like, if you know everything, or if it's like I can solve all your problems, like, or it's kind of like to make another different reference. Remember, do you remember the um, Simpsons episode where they have the monorail? Oh, I don't know if I know that one. Oh, okay. So there's a <laughs> Simpsons sorry. episode that's basically a. It's kind of like a ripoff of um, or not really a ripoff. I should say it's it's like more like an homage to uh, the the musical The Music Man, right? It was written by Conan O'Brien, and it's just kind of like, hey, you guys have all this money in Springfield. You know what you need? A monorail. Why why do we need a monorail? This and then he just goes off on like this song and dance to like convince everyone. And everyone's like, we're convinced. We're getting a monorail now, yeah. right? <laughs> And that's kind of what it is. Like anybody who's like, this is what you, you know, like anybody who kind of comes in and be like, this is what you need, or this is what you, this is, this, this is like, I got all, like, I got all, well, here's what ails you. Right. Right. No, no, no. So Chris, we're going to take another break now. And, um, let's see here for ads. I'm hoping we get an, an ad for monorails. I don't feel like there's enough monorails in the world. Mostly just because I'm a big fan of basically just The Simpsons, and I want more monorails. And there could be way more if they just advertise more. I think. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's simple. It's simple. You know, it's like the movie, um, you know, Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. Right. If you advertise monorails, we'll have a lot more monorails. All right. Anyways, here's ads. are back all right so again i cannot stress enough just how much stuff there is about bolsonaro because we're still gonna keep continuing talking about jair bolsonaro and again more about his actions and what he does so jair bolsonaro is also a misogynist i i I, i'm trying to always try and like i don't know like feign surprise or trying to get some of this here but it's like hosting this episode i feel like i've come up with some sort of like what i feel like is an elaborate like scavenger hunt but it just all you need to do is just turn to your right and be like oh yeah the like it's right there i found all the stuff it's all here i figured it out and you're like world's worst scavenger hunt yeah exactly yeah that's how i would define jair bolsonaro if he was a scavenger hunt world's (laughs) worst scavenger hunt he believes that men and women should not receive the same salaries because women get pregnant. I mean, obviously, right, Chris? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Just kidding. <laughs> yep. Just kidding. kidding. <laughs> yeah, Don't no. cut that part yeah, out. Yeah. 
<laughs> where that's the part where you get canceled. Cancel <laughs> yeah. cancer culture comes for Chris Wagner. Nothing like, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's just nothing, nothing being like, like he, being held to actions by your own words. Well, right? no, I was gonna say nothing like like electing someone to power that just erases decades and decades of of work on women's rights. So he believes that paid maternity actually harms work productivity. And some people do argue this, right? Is that like, you know, we can't have maternity leave because it's bad for business, right? We can't pay money to mothers and fathers to stay home with their newborn, right? That's that's hard because, you know, the idea is that if these people are not working, right, then the workplace productivity will go down. However, though, I found that in a 2021 study by the Stanford Institute of Economic Policies Research has found that, quote, a taxpayer-funded paid family leave implemented in 2018 in New York did not adversely affect employers' ratings of employee production, cooperation, or attendance. What's more, there was an improvement in employers' average rating of the ease with dealing with worker absences, and the majority of employers support this policy. This is something that I've, again, kind of found somewhat as an economist, right? Teaching, you know, economics, teaching history, teaching this type of stuff, is that when some people just kind of make sometimes these claims of like, oh, if we do this, this will, this will do that, right? And if you just kind of connect the basic dots together, like, well, they're right. But when you actually kind of study this stuff sometimes, it's like, well, no, it makes sense that, you know, maternity leave is good because, you know, like, I mean, you know this because you have kids. Imagine, you know, you have a, you have another child. If I'm your boss and you're like, well, I got to make sure whether or not the kid is, you know, eating dog food or if they're, you know, <laughs> or I don't know what else kids do besides eating dog food. I imagine that's what I would do if I was, I, I, that's I think that's what I would do if yeah. I was a child. <laughs> just just eating dog food yeah <laughs> i mean i remember that from a from an episode of rugrats where they're like i see what the dog's eating and i want that it looks amazing and there i'm not gonna lie there's even times today where or there's even times you know like presently where i look at some of the food that i give my dog and i'm like i think i might try this but if but the, there's always something in the back of my mind that's like but if i do try this i know when i do that somebody i know is gonna like look at me or something they're like oh he's eating dog food I'm like ah no yeah, you got the look of someone who eats dog food. I've always thought <laughs> <laughs> because it's kind of like that thing of where it's like you go, you go to work, you know, twenty five years, and you do your job. Everybody likes you, but you eat dog food one time, and you're the dog food guy dog from food. now on, yep. right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's like this idea of where, like, of course, it makes sense to have parents take care of their children because. If they're not taking care of their children, they might be a little bit preoccupied and might not do a good job at their work. If you know they're like, well, I wonder if the baby's getting into the dog food again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's particularly the case if you don't have any sort of, of, of other viable options for child care, too. I think that compounds the issue. Um you know, again, just thinking of our, you know, my my own situation. We were lucky enough where my my wife had very good uh, maternity benefits, and I was able to take time off as well. But uh, I know, I know a lot of people who weren't. So, in a speech during 2017, Bolsonaro said that he produced a daughter out of quote a moment of weakness. So, Chris, when you when you had your daughter, did you feel? You know what? No, I'm going to cut this. <laughs> I'm not going to ask that question. <laughs> I'm not going to ask that question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a, a way to control that, to my knowledge. But <laughs> <laughs> like, hang on. Let me let me try this again here. All right. So, um, so Chris, I, I mean, we're both guys, right? How can you imagine having a moment of weakness when you're trying to conceive a child because <laughs> i don't know what that is or what that would even look like yeah and, and and i mean to my knowledge there's not a way to uh, uh control that so i'm not, <laughs> not sure i'm not sure what he's talking yeah, about though. exactly right like, again like this guy just like like if you haven't gotten the 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 theme yet of this guy he's kind of an idiot too 
right? Or he's kind of just, he just says whatever, like he reminds me of that type of person in school that says whatever he wants to say that will get, that will get him attention, right? Whether good or bad. And then lastly, because saving the worst for last here about this part of him being a misogynist, he said that a woman was not worth raping and that she was very ugly. Hmm. Now, I know we joke, we've been joking a lot here about this on this podcast. I mean, even about fetuses, right? <laughs> but I want to be serious here because rape is not about sex at all. It's about power, violence, and control over another person. So when this, when Jair Bolsonaro says something like that, it is not only ignorant, but it is to a degree of ignorance that it is painful to the person that, you know, he said it to. And not only that, but just like, there are many, like, I know this is going to get a little bit dark here, but again, we're, we're going over some heavier subjects, but like, this reminds me of a, I remember seeing a tweet, you know, like you kind of like, what were you wearing? Right. You know, like to a rape victim and, and somebody retweeted back to this person, like, I was wearing overalls. I was five years old. Right. Like, it's really, really fucking stupid and evil for him to say shit like this. And yet, like we've we've been talking about, somehow he still has this high electability about him. I don't know why. I guess cruelty is the point. Right. Right. Yeah. Not only, not only, like you say, it's uh, ignorant and offensive to that person, but it's, it's offensive to any survivor. Right. I I mean, that's what these types of cases have to fight against, you know, or have had to fight against for, for all of history. You know, you bring up the, what are you wearing or what, you know, were you drunk? Were you, those types of, of, of arguments. And it's just, then you get this guy in in such high power bringing up the same topics and it's just like what what did we and and so flippantly too because he said that as like a joke right like how he tried to do it how he played it off was that he was having a presidential debate and he was like oh like it's kind of like you know it's again like the same tactics that we saw within trump of where it was like like, oh, you're this, you're that. And it's like, granted, at least for Trump, he never said anything this horrific during like a presidential debate or anything. Right. But I mean, he I feel like if we let him kept talking in these debates, he probably would have stumbled upon this sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, I right? mean, he definitely said some things that were at least adjacent to that. But Oh, yes. <laughs> Keep staying within the darkness, Jair Bolsonaro is a massive homophobe. In 2002, uh, Bolsonaro said, quote, if I see two men kissing in the street, I will beat them. Uh, He has defended beating gay children. He has said, quote, if your child starts to become like that, a little bit gay, you take a ship and you change their behavior. He added, if kids hang out with somebody who uses marijuana, he will end up snorting. If he hangs out with a gay person, he will definitely turn into a... I'm not going to finish the exact quote because it's a slur for a gay person. In 2011, Bolsonaro said, quote, I am incapable of loving a gay son and added that he would prefer his hypothetical gay son to die in an accident. In the same interview, he said that if a gay couple moved next door to him, it would lower the market value of his house. And this is something that I kind of want to point out here because a lot of what Bolsonaro says is that he makes a lot of these refer- these not so subtle ways of saying that gay people are pedophiles. I don't know if you've been seeing this as well too, Chris, but I've been kind of seeing a rise of this kind of coming back up in the United States. Yeah, and, and I, I think it's always, you know, there's always the lookout for the next boogeyman, right? And And it was gay people for a while, I think. I think at least in the U.S., homosexuality has been... When we were growing up, when it was like uh, during the Bush years. Right, yeah. And I, I think homosexuality has been a bit more yeah, accepted more generally than it was. And now it seems, but, you know, that same kind of groomer, you know, pedophile mentality has kind of been assigned to uh, other areas of the... LGBTQ plus communities, particularly trans, uh, that's that's in the U.S. At least that's the that's the new boogeyman for these kind of people. But 
yeah, I guess I, I've never understood the fascination and the obsession with something like this that absolutely does not affect you in any yeah. way, shape, or form. What, what someone else does, you know, as far as, you know, their, their sexual preferences, um, you know, having, he, he talks about he'd never be able to love a, a homosexual child why are you so obsessed with with the your child's sexual preference i i don't know that i mean that to me that's the that's the more you know pedastry uh, uh line of thinking is thinking it's about. good that you mentioned that he because again he has even flat out said that you know homosexuality is linked to pedophilia he said quote many children who are adopted by a gay couple will be abused by these couples now it's good that you mentioned that because again you're starting to see this kind of bubbling up in the United States, but the Child Molestation Research and Prevention Institute has found out that 90% of child molesters target children in their network of family and friends, and the majority of them are men married to women. Also, the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry confirmed in 2013 that, quote, Current research shows that children with gay and lesbian parents do not differ from children with heterosexual parents in their emotional development or in their relationship with peers and adults, and that they are, quote, not more likely than children of heterosexual parents to develop emotional or behavioral problems. And that's the point that, like, like what you were mentioning, you're the guy who's always wondering about, like, what's up with everybody having sex, right? Like, that seems a lot more... That seems a lot more like kind of creepy than like the guy who's like, yeah, I don't care what you guys do, whatever. He's also argued that the Brazil does not need legislation targeting homophobia because, quote, most homosexuals are murdered by their respective pimps at hours when good citizens are already asleep. I, I can't even try and work a joke into that or anything. That's just that's just offensive on so many levels. And. And do people who support him, I mean, do they do they buy into this? I, I mean, these are obviously just these are these are baseless claims with that are that are demonstrably false and easily disproven. Uh, I mean, is it just people don't don't care or take it at face value? I guess that's what I wonder. Again, like we said about how Bolsonaro is very similar to that of Trump, and I think it's the same types of defenses that you see for Trump. You have some people who say, like, well, he's just joking, right? Like, oh, he wasn't serious about that type of stuff. And then you have other people who are like, well, yeah, what he said was not okay, but, you know, I like his economic policies. Or, you know, like, I mean, like, I'm not okay with everything that he does. And, you know, that is, and you know what, that is in a way true, because not every politician is going to do what you want. But then again, not every politician is essentially asking to curb human rights. I don't know. Maybe th th those are kind of the very low bars of electability that I have, which is, are you going to respect other people's right for existence? Oh, you, you aren't? Then there's no way in hell I'm ever going to vote for you. If you at least are willing to do that. Yeah, unfortunately, that, that bar is higher than others, I guess, but... <laughs> <laughs> to, to give even more example, in 2016, Elliot Page, at that time an openly lesbian actress, asked Bolsonaro on whether he, of whether or not that he should have been beaten as a child, right? When Elliot Page was, you know, that, you know, because that's how, you know, things work in the past. Bolsonaro's response is very sickening. He said, quote, you're very nice. If I were a cadet in the military academy and saw you on the street, I would whistle at you. All right. You are very pretty. That's all he said. Charmed. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, this guy just, the more you research about this guy, the more your skin crawls. And I'm just going to end it here with, I got one last thing because there are just so many accusations about balls and arrows, homophobia that I had to cut stuff out. Right. So it's very safe to say that he is a bigot. Right. But I got one last thing here. In 2018, he said that schools are sending home quote, gay kits, end quote. To continue, quote, each person after a certain age, an owner of their acts, will take care of their life. For six-year-old children, it cannot be. A father does not want to come home and see his son playing with a doll by the influence of the school. Homosexuals will be happy if I become president, end quote. 
Um, now, Chris, neither of us are homosexuals, but I think I can take a very safe guess here for the homosexual community in saying that I don't think homosexuals would be happy with a man like this president. <laughs> right. It seemed like a, 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 a very strange claim following the previous sentence, I guess. I don't understand that. And again, it's this idea that, you know, this again, like we talk about how like this all comes from the same playbook. This all comes from the same page, right? It's this like it's the same thing that I've been noticing within teacher circles in the United States where people are claiming that, you know, teachers are trying to turn kids gay or, you know, they're like you mentioned earlier, like they're groomers and they're all this other stuff. And it's like, if I had the power to do that, I would not have the power of te- of like brainwashing your kid to hate America or to, you know, turning them into, you know, whatever sexuality or gender or whatever that is. I would for I would brainwash them into turning their damn work in on time. <laughs> I would brainwash them to not be on their fucking cell phones all the day. <laughs> if I had that power, and I feel like most teachers, if we had that power, those would be the ones that we would go towards. Yeah, and it, and it's incredibly interesting to hear this. You know, in 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 Brazil, you know, you bringing all these these points up because I, you know especially these last couple of years, um, COVID and things being shut down may have, have exacerbated it. But, you know, my, my friends who are teachers here in the U.S. all have just kind of this, this, these same complaints to the point there that some have and some are trying to get out of teaching. I mean, that we talk about, you know, teacher shortages, and this is why it's a – it's a profession that's being attacked baselessly because of these boogeyman stories, these, uh, you know, nothing more than scare tactics to the lowest common denominator of, of bigots, uh, essentially. Um, you know, and, and it's happening here too. So it's just, it's interesting to see, like you say, it's, the, it's all the same playbook and just plays out a little differently, uh, but not that differently. I will say at least here in Mexico, like actually this is the reason why I started the podcast. I mean, I wasn't getting necessarily like threats from parents or accusations or anything like that because here in Mexico, there is a decent level of respect for educators and nobody has been throwing this out at educators at all because again, like at least the one thing that's nice about Mexican parents, they're the rational parents that you love as a teacher where it's like, look, I understand my kid can be a handful. I live with the thing. You got to take care of not only my kid, but you got to take care of 20 other kids or so. Yeah, don't worry. Just do your best. <laughs> so so we don't have that here, but it is it is something for myself as an educator to where like I do have moments where I, I do miss the United States in some ways, right? Like I do feel like, you know, maybe if I went back and I taught in the US, right? Like maybe if I do this, maybe I do that. But then I just read more and more of these stories and I'm like, there's, there's no way I'm going back. And I will say this too about like teacher shortages, just very briefly before we end the episode here. Of what I've been seeing of teacher shortages, it's not necessarily teacher shortages everywhere. It's teacher shortages in bad school districts. And usually those bad school districts are one that have bad administrators and people who are just like, well, I'm just going to just, you know, throw the teacher under the bus whenever, you know, something bad happens. And that's usually where it seems because I, 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 cause I did look for jobs, you know, a little bit recently ago when I was, when people were talking about the teacher shortages, cause I was trying to see how bad it was. And I would go to certain school districts and I was like, yeah, they got scores and scores of openings. And then I go to like, okay, so let me just try out the really good school districts. Oh, look at that. They got nothing. Yeah. So, so there is that, but anyways, that's it for the episode today. Chris, do you have any final thoughts? Oh man. I probably got a lot of final thoughts, but well, no, that's it's... good because actually, when we start the next episode, we're going to continue on more of Bolsonaro's actions and ideas because he has so much awfulness. He cannot be contained in just one episode. He is wonderful. At least you can say this of the man, even though he is a terrible person, at least he's a gigantic terrible person that you know. Most people can look at and just be like, oh, God, here he comes. 
right? Just, just stay away. Yeah, he just gives off that like. Yeah, get it all in all in one guy. Yeah, put it all in one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I kind of think this is one of my weird theories of how the world works. Is that there are some people who just absorb so much just like negativity that they like just basically just become a magnet of it. And then they're like they just start drawing in more and more stuff. Cause it's not like, well, I'm not just gonna be a piece of shit. I'm gonna be the <laughs> biggest <laughs> piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> Chris, do you have anything to plug? Oh man. Uh yeah, monorails and Coca-Cola, I guess. Nothing else. <laughs> well, I would like to second your your plugs of Coca Cola or I'm sorry, Dr. Pepper, because that's the official. Me, yeah. yeah, that's that's our that's our official drink on this podcast is Dr. Pepper <laughs> and monorails. I would also like to plug this podcast. You can find all of our episodes and all the sources that we use for these episodes at our website, sportpoliticpodcast.com. And you can also find us on Twitter. We are at S Politique with a K podcast. So until next time, we'll see y'all later.